This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are so happy to be here with you this day on this beautiful weekend. It's a chilly weekend in our part of the woods. Maybe it's chilly where you are. Maybe that's prompting you to think about ways that you can improve the heat in your house or maybe at least not waste as much. Maybe you want to step up the insulation or maybe you've had it with this thing we call winter and you're ready to plan some projects for spring. If they're on your to-do list, you can put them on to ours when you reach out to us with your questions. We'd be glad to help. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, or better yet, go to moneypit.com slash ask. All you have to do is click the blue microphone button and talk to us. We'll get your question and get you into the next show. Coming up on today's program, we're going to talk about high-efficiency washers. They are on the rise, and also they have Energy Star certified dryers now that can cut energy by like 25%. But the question is, because they're more expensive, do they make sense? Are you going to make it back in efficiency? So we'll sort that out and tell you if it's a smart buy. And we could all use a little more sunshine this time of year, and spotless windows can help. We've got tips on how to clean your windows like a pro, and you won't even need any paper towels. And a basement might be a good choice for a bedroom and a bit of privacy, but building codes demand some very special requirements for sleeping spaces that are below grade. We'll sort out if these make sense for your home in just a bit. But first, are you dreaming about a project that you really want to tackle? Well, if you can dream it, you can do it, and we can help. So let us know what your projects are, what you are dreaming of, how we can help you achieve those dreams, because that's what we do. We're the dream makers. That's right. I said it. Call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Sandra in North Carolina is on the line. How can we help you today? We're trying to decide which quality of filter to use for our furnace filter switch out. Should we use the ones that are cheaper, like the four for $2, or should we use the HEPA filter quality ones that are like $20? for your furnace filters when you change them out? Well, with filters, you're definitely getting what you pay for, and it really depends on what the situations are with everybody in your house. Now, the less expensive a filter, you know, the thinner that membrane's going to be, and of course, the wider that webbing is, if you will, so it's really not going to stop very much. You know, Tom and I always joke that they're called pebble stoppers, because that's really the only (laughs) thing that's not getting through there. Exactly. So it, it really depends. You know, the less money you spend, the less things that are getting trapped. If you've got some with allergens in the house, you want to spend a little bit more money because you're definitely going to get what you pay for. Okay, so I need to go to a quality filter because I have a lot of allergies. And the people that that built the house said to go with the cheaper filter so you can let air circulate. Yeah, well, look, a good quality filter does not block the air, whether it's, uh, you know, one that's designed for 
better filtration or one that's designed for lesser filtration, none of these things block the air. So if you have allergy issues, you have asthma issues, you definitely want to use a good quality filter. And if you want the ultimate infiltration, what you might want to think about doing at some point is installing an electronic air cleaner. This is a device that's built into the HVAC system right near the furnace generally. And these are incredibly efficient at taking out you know, 95% plus of the contaminants that are in the air. I mean, these electronic air cleaners can, today can take out microscopic sized particles. Okay, well, I really appreciate your information. You've been very helpful. You're very welcome, Sandra. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Rory in Illinois is on the line, and there seems to be a crack in the front of the garage. What is going on? Are you getting water in the garage? Is it on the door? What's going on here? When the house was built about 21 years ago, they brought in a cement saw and they cut marks in it to control the cracking. Okay. Well, the, the first cut is four feet from the garage door. Well, now. That part next to the garage has settled down, so when it rains, the water runs towards the garage, which is making it worse. Ah, and okay. I saw a commercial on TV for this mudjacking outfit, and they say for a little more than half what it costs to replace the cement, they could jack it back up in place. But you'll see the marks where they drill the holes to put the cement in, and will it last? Should we do the whole driveway over, or is there some way we can do something to make it look good and last. It's a beautiful place. We have no problems with anything except you drive in the driveway and you see that. Yeah, so when you get close to the driveway, that last slab, so to speak, tilts in towards the garage and it's one running water up against the house. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and that's going to could affect the foundation that's holding the garage up because you throw a lot of water under it. It becomes uh, less stable and you get a lot more movement. So I do think it's, a, it's an important thing to fix. Um, mud jacking will work. And uh, it can replace that area as long as they can lift that slab nice and even so it doesn't crack and become worse. I would just try to get their guarantee that that they're not going to crack the slab in the process. But if they can get the, the mud underneath it, they're basically filling in the low spots, bringing that slab up. And then it's not going to collapse anymore because the concrete they put under it, the mud, so to speak, takes up that void. So I wouldn't be afraid of doing that. And if it turns out that that's less expensive than breaking that one piece out and just pouring that one piece new, then I think you can do that. Um, if you decide to break that out, I don't think you have to do the whole driveway. You can just do that one piece and make sure the the uh, soil below is properly tamped. You're going to have to replace that with fill dirt and stone and get it tamped down. Tamping is really key, so it's really solid. What's happened is water's gotten over there over the years. It's softened the soil, and that's what's caused that slab to to sort of rotate with the car going back and forth. So I think either option's okay. It becomes an economic choice. My only concern is that you commit to spending money on mud jacking, then end up breaking the slab, and then you're kind of almost back to the beginning. Okay, sounds great. Sounds like you got the answers. Yeah, well, we tried. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
and they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Gayla in California is having an issue with the countertop. Tell us what's going on. I am. About four and a half years ago, I remodeled my kitchen and installed Corian countertops. And I used a pattern called Savannah. It's one of the light ones. So I'm getting ready now to sell my home and... Looking at the countertops, they're really, there's sounds like I mean, thousands of hairline scratches. And I'm wondering, how can I bring back their luster? They never were shiny, but, you know, they were lustrous. Yeah, they do have like a satin finish that looks very rich and nice. But obviously over time, just from, you know, normal wear and tear, um, they are going to dull and, you know, not look so great. Um, there's a good website that generally specializes in granite and marble care. It's called stonecare.com, but they do have some products for Corian. And there's actually a spray, you know, it's made to reduce a residue on the surface. I'm not sure it's going to help you with the scratches, but it could be a good starting point. It's called their, um, deep cleaner for Corian. And that might be a good place to start at least. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know that they're that dirty. I do keep them quite clean, but it's um it's just a question. It's just those hairline scratches, and when the sun comes through the window, you really see them. What that product does is it will also pull out any residue from all the cleaning that you have been doing so religiously, which is a good thing. The other nice thing, though, about Corian is the scratches can be repaired. And if you they, the Corian can be repolished, basically lightly sanded, so to speak. Oh, I was wondering and, about that. Right, to actually pull those scratches right out. So that's not something that I would recommend that you do the first time out. <laughs> no, but I don't But if you think contact so. a, a kitchen cabinet company, for example, they might have an installer, and for a reasonably small fee, they might come out and repolish those tops for you. They're going to have all the tools and the equipment as well, and probably they can pull many of those scratches right out. Well, thank you. That sounds like the way to go for me. All right, well, good luck with that project, and good luck selling your house. Well, thank you, and, and best to you both. Hey, you want to support our podcast and help us grow? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be forever grateful. Plus, you'll be helping other homeowners discover our show. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. James in Minnesota, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I bought a house about a year ago, and I don't know how old the water heater is because it was a foreclosure. And I had gone downstairs and took the cover off and turned up a little bit to try to get a little more hot water out of it temperature-wise. And I noticed on the inside that it seems wet, like the uh, fiberglass insulation on the tank. So I was wondering if that means, like, the tank is going bad or do I need to start saving money to buy a new water heater? The water heater's in your basement? Yeah, it's in my basement, correct. You know, sometimes you get a little condensation inside of that. Uh, Does your water stay hot? Or does, you, does it seem to run out quickly? No, it stays hot for a while. It's just not as hot as I like it. So I, I just went down to dial it up a little, and I saw it was wet inside. And I don't see anything leaking from the bottom. Okay, well, generally when water heaters leak, everybody knows it, okay? It's not, it's yeah. not subtle. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, good. so I doubt it's, a, I doubt it's, it's leaking um, badly right now. You may have a bit of condensation in there. Uh, however, 
what you want to keep in mind with electric water heaters is that, first of all, they're very expensive to run, and so it's a good idea to have a timer on them. Secondly, with an electric water heater, there's two coils, not just one. So on the exterior of your water heater, you should see two panels, one up high and one down low. And each one of those has its own thermostat. And so in order to adjust the temperature, you have to open both of them up. And with a screwdriver, an insulated screwdriver, you turn it very carefully until it's about 110 degrees on both of them. And okay. with a 40 or 50-gallon water heater, how many bedrooms, I mean, how many bathrooms do you have in the house? Two. So 40-gallon would be smallish, maybe adequate. 50-gallon would definitely be good. Uh, if you're wondering the age of it, on the uh, on the label, on the water heater, there's generally a date that's either written plainly on that or it's coded into the serial number. So if you look at the serial number, you look at the date, you may see a date on there and you can figure out how old this is. Okay, great. Thanks so much. You're welcome, James. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're in the market for a new washer or dryer, you might be asking yourself if buying the most efficient one available is worth the additional cost. It's an important consideration because some washers and dryers use even more energy than a refrigerator. Yeah, but while high-efficiency washers and Energy Star certified dryers can cut energy, are these more efficient and more expensive washers and dryers a smart buy? Well, the answer is a definite, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, first, let's talk about how energy-efficient washers and dryers work differently from standard appliances. Now, first of all, a high-efficiency washer, it's going to spin faster, it uses less water, and it wrings out more per load and uses less energy. A front loader is still going to be the most popular, but top loaders are gaining momentum. Now, a high-efficiency dryer features moisture sensors that detect when the clothing is dry, and then it shuts off the dryer automatically. They also combine traditional vented heat with a heat pump which cuts costs and energy output by recycling that generated heat. So it's a super smart system there. Now, the reviews for high-performance washers and dryers have been positive, but high-efficiency dryers do require longer dryer times, meaning more air is being vented outside, and that can have the effect of driving up your overall heating and cooling costs. Now, to choose the best high-efficiency appliances, that can be challenging because there are a lot of different options. So here are a couple of things to look for. First, you definitely want to use the Energy Guide label. That's the big yellow sticker that shows yearly energy usage compared to other models in the same category. It features a lot of very helpful information that you can rely on, especially if you're comparing appliances. Now, as the washers go, front loaders spin fastest, and they are the most efficient and also the gentlest on clothes. But they do shake, so anti-vibration pads might be needed. Top loaders cost about $200 less but save less energy. And one perk, they do let you add clothes mid-load because there's always that extra sweatshirt or sweatpants or whatever that you forgot to throw in there and towels we were talking about uh, just last week. And this way you can toss them right in. Now, to maximize savings, look for labor savers. These are the delay start settings that let you preset cycles for when the utility costs are lowest. Quick wash cycles are another feature that work great for lightly soiled loads requiring less cleaning, and they can save you big in the process. They reduce the hours that's running plus wash times by about 10% or more. Bottom line, if you need a new appliance now, it is generally a good idea to always choose one that's Energy Star rated, and considering the high amount of energy traditional models use, you will earn back the cost increase sooner than usual. 
Keith in Delaware is on the line with a fireplace decorating question. Tell us what's going on. Uh, I have a uh, two-by-two-foot chimney system, concrete block with a terracotta flue in it, and it's in the garage. And on the living room side of the wall is a red brick uh, uh, fireplace that's uh, four feet wide and floor-to-ceiling. And the hearth in front of it is also four feet wide and sticks into the room about six feet, and the end of it is a is a radius to the four-foot, foot, kind of like a popsicle stick. And we don't really, it originally had a wood stove on it, so there's an eight-inch flue about uh, two feet up off the floor. We'd like to change it over uh, to some sort of decorative stone. But since some of it's probably attached to drywall, some of it's attached to uh, concrete block, do we take it down? Can we attach to it? Will it stay up? And then what do we do with the hearth? Should, should we try to chip some of the brick off and then put a stone on? So you're never really going to use this hearth for a fireplace? Well, it was originally for a wood stove. There was never a fireplace. We'd like to put a wood stove back eventually. Well, if you're going to put something back, then you don't want to destroy what's there. Is there some sort of product that's thin enough that it doesn't make it too big and bulky in appearance once we cover it over with some sort of a stone? Keith, you know, there's a product on the market that's pretty new. It's called Airstone, and their website is airstone.com. And it's an easy-to-apply stone veneer. You might want to take a look at that because you could actually attach that to the top of the brick and come up with a totally new look to it. Okay. In fact, they've got some photographs of uh, some folks that have done sort of fireplace makeovers on on their website in their blog section at uh, airstone.com slash blog. We had thought about painting it, but we didn't really care for the for the painted approach. Uh, I guess we'd have to use muriatic acid and all that to, to be able to cover it properly. Uh, we are committed to changing, whether it be paint or stone. We're, we're just trying to refresh the room and give it an update appearance, and the brick is just an older, uh, dingy, reddish color. Right. Now, you know, I, I don't want you to ignore the fact that painting this room with an appropriate color shade could change the look of it as well. Right now, it sounds like the focus is on the fireplace. But, Leslie, if you was to choose some complementary colors to kind of bring this all together, I think it could make an impact as well, don't you think? I mean, it can, but with the brick playing such a predominant role, you've got to feel comfortable with it and the colors that will work. Now, with a red, your complementary colors to it are going to be sort of in like the green-brown tones that will sort of, you know, work well in the color wheel. Um, It really depends on what your aesthetics are and what the look of the space is. And I mean, have you thought about using like a a slate or bluestone, some sort of different approach to sort of sheathing it? We had thought about that. Uh, In fact, on the heart, that would probably be a good choice because it would be easier to sit a, a wood stove on. Right, just on the hearth, and then leaving the rest brick. Oh. And then, you know, that way, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how close to the wood, the wood stove you might be, but you could do some interesting floor cushions, you know, to give yourself a little seating area around it, or some cute benches, or there's even, I've seen, I'm not sure who makes them, but I've seen some, you know, bronze-legged little benches that would surround a fireplace hearth. That are then upholstered on top, and they're sort of built into the hearth itself to create like a surround. Oh, that's a neat idea. You know, since it does take up so much space, and you could then utilize it. All right, those are some great ideas. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. 
Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Margie and Marilyn need some help with a, a kitchen incident gone awry. What happened? What happened is... um. It's sort of like a barbecue gone bad inside my house. I, okay. I had some deer meat in a big pot on the stove. It was had a cover on it, and it. Um, I, w- I stepped out for a while, and I came back, and there was smoke everywhere in my house. And we opened everything. We opened all the windows and doors and all of that. And what I need is to find out, how to get rid of the smoke smell. It is just disgusting. It's terrible. And I we've done what we can. I'm washing my poor washing machine. It's going nuts. I just wash, wash, wash everything. And we've febrezed on the furniture and um but my 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 wood furniture I don't know what to do about and my walls and my painted woodwork because the, the day that it happened, I washed up the floor with vinegar and water, but it seems like the longer it goes, uh, that it's getting harder on the surfaces that it's touched. And I, I just need some help to figure out how to clean it up, especially on the wood furniture, the walls, and the painted woodwork. Well, on the furniture, on the woodwork, I think something like Murphy's oil soap would be a good choice. That's a, that's a mild solution that smells pleasant. It is designed specifically to clean wood surfaces. 
However, I suspect that the source of most of the smell is going to be in because of, of materials that are harder to clean, like fabrics, rugs, couches, upholstered pillows, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and for those, you really need to have a, a professional company come in and clean them. I mean, there are, there are companies like, uh, I think Service Master is one of them that specialize in fire and smoke cleaning and water cleanup. And they have the right equipment with the right types of chemicals to take the odors out of those sorts of things. What you can do is clean those hard surfaces on your own. As far as the walls are concerned, I would mix up a, a fairly weak TSP solution, trisodium phosphate. You can pick that up in the painting uh, section of any hardware store or home center and wash the walls down with that. Okay? Yes. Thank you so very, very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Margie. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, cleaning windows is something that takes a lot of time to do. But have you ever felt that even after all of that work, they don't look all that much better? It may be because you're using the wrong cleaning materials. For example, rubbing glass with paper towels or cloth towels creates static. So before you know it, that dust and dirt are stuck right to that window again. A better option is to use a squeegee. You can start at the top corner and move that squeegee back and forth while moving it down like you're drawing a letter S. But here's the real secret. After each stroke, you need to wipe that blade dry, but not with any old towel. You need a lint-free towel like a cloth diaper or old table linens. Now, if your window has panes, you want to use a utility knife to cut the squeegee so it fits the width of the pane, and then be sure to pull it down in one single stroke. Also, you don't need any fancy store-bought cleaners. You can stick with a homemade solution made of liquid detergent and warm water when it drips. Use a cami cloth to soak up all that extra water because it absorbs without the streaks. That's why I love those camis. They really do a great job. All right, now we've got Derwin in Texas who's dealing with a fascia board situation. Tell us what's going on. I have a fascia board uh, that is rotten. The way it's put on there is I have a 1x4 fascia board that's nailed up on there, and then the 1x2 is nailed uh, on the top portion of the, one, of the fascia board, yep. and, uh, which Kind of act, and the gutter is nailed to the one by two, so I guess the one by two keeps the gutter from resting up against the fascia board. Keep, Got it. Keep rotting. Mm-hmm. So, but the drip edge, there's a drip edge that's nailed to the top. So, like a two by two uh, drip edge, and uh, the top uh, part of the drip edge is nailed to the roof deck, and then it uh, it uh, lays. The other half is lays into the gutter. So what you want to know is how can you get the rotted fascia board out without taking apart your gutter and your drip edge and your spacer and all that stuff, right? Right. There's no way to to uh, surgically remove the the fascia. It's like one part of the assembly. So you'd have to take the whole thing apart. Now, I mean, it's not a, it, it sounds like a lot of work. It's not a tremendous project to get a gutter off. It's not something you can do yourself because you don't want to bend it. So you have to do it with some help, take the gutter off in one piece. But there is an opportunity here, and that is that when you replace the fascia, I would not put wood fascia back. What I would do is I would use a product called Azek, A-Z-E-K. And this looks like wood, so it can look like that old one by four that you had, except it's made of cellular PVC. So it cuts like wood, and it looks like wood, but it never rots. So I would definitely suggest that this is an opportunity to improve the material that you're using there. Now, whether or not you put back the spacer and the gutter the way it was before is up to you. You really don't need to have a spacer. You could put the gutter right up against the AZAC, then have the roof 
just lay into the top of the gutter. That would be the most normal assembly for that kind of thing. But if you want the spacer and it just works out better because that's the way it was before, then what you could do is buy one by six AZAC, cut uh, a one and a half inch strip off of it, use that as a spacer and use the rest as you'll have one by four left and use that for the fascia and you'll have the strip just in one uh, one piece. So it cuts just like wood. Looks like wood, cuts like wood, doesn't rot like wood. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Jan in California is having a wallpaper removal situation. Tell us what's going on. I've been removing wallpaper and repapering for 50 years. I've never come across where you take the wallpaper off and it looks like there's a paper lining behind it. I've had some people tell me that this is a filler for the um, texturing so the wallpaper looks smooth. And others tell me that it's a liner and it fills the whole wall with pencil lines where the wallpaper goes. I don't want to damage the sheetrock that's underneath. So I'm a little leery about taking that off or leaving it on or what I should do with it. So your end game is to get down to the drywall? Well, it doesn't have to be if I can texture over uh, what's there. But it's almost like a paper. And I don't know if we can put the mud and everything on that. If it's adhered well, then I don't see why you couldn't texture over it. Do you want to use a textured paint? No, I want to uh, use the texture that I've had on the other walls. The key here is whether or not the surface that you've exposed is well adhered to the drywall underneath. If it's well adhered, then you can go ahead and put your texture over that. If it's not, then your texture could be on there for a couple of months and it could start falling off in chunks when that backer paper pulls off. As long as it's well adhered, then I don't see any reason you can't go on top of it, Jan. Okay, I appreciate you and enjoy your program all the time. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, while many young adults return home to save money, and if your home has a basement, it can offer all the advantages of apartment living, but at a fraction of the cost. While the lifestyle might not create total living independence, a successful basement remodeling project does help establish an important first step to that goal. True, but building out a basement living space, well, it's not quite as simple as just assembling a bed frame and popping in a mattress and maybe plugging in an extra refrigerator. To stay safe, it's really important that the basement remodeling meet current building codes, the most critical of which is providing egress, and that refers to a way to get out in the event of an emergency. Now, a proper egress is not only for the benefit of the occupants, compliance with the standard is also essential for firefighters and other emergency rescue personnel who may need to carry backpacks with gear or oxygen tanks into a basement in the event of a fire. Now, while typical basement windows provide light and a minimal amount of ventilation, and doors can provide weather resistance and security, specially designed egress window wells or basement doors are available that meet modern building code standards for that all-important emergency exit. And having young adults return home to live with mom and dad in the family basement might not be the most preferable arrangement for either party, but if it does occur, the first step should be to make sure that the living space is up to code and your kids have a safe exit in case of emergency. Or if they get in late and they don't want to disturb you, they can just, you know, slide through the window because it's big enough now. Sparky and George is on the line with a question about cleaning a bathroom. How can we help you today? I live in a subdivision, about 65 employees out in the country. I actually test the water on a daily basis for the chlorine and report that at the end of the month to the local provider. I've got a two-bedroom house. In one bathroom, I've got no problem with the water in the tank or the bowl. 
in the master bedroom, I've got the bath uh, where it's got a black ring, water ring, and I've replaced the water line, the inside of the water tank, replaced the entire bowl, and it continues to come up. Even after we clean the bowl, we still get that black water ring. So you're able to remove it, but it comes back. That's correct. And it only shows up on that bathroom and not others. That's correct. And the products that we've gotten from the store, off the sh- store shelf uh, have not been able to help either. And we've naturally gone to the Internet and says the more chlorine you put in it, the more that black ring will come back. But we clean the bath- both bathrooms with the same products. Are the toilets the same age? The same age, yes. I've called the water company, and they, they said they don't, they don't have a clue. And like I said, I sampled the water and tested every day for the monthly reports. I wonder if there's something different about the porcelain finish on that toilet. For example, if it if one if if, if one toilet's finish was maybe it was scrubbed more over the years, and as a result, it's worn off some of its porcelain, so it's a bit more porous and becomes more of a trap for uh, bacteria to kind of grow in. And I'm speculating here. I'm kind of shooting from the hips, Barky, because I know that uh, that you've tried all of the all of the sort of normal things. But it's confusing that it happens just in this one particular bathroom with this one particular toilet. I guess given everything that you've done, have you considered just replacing the toilet and seeing if that does it? Well, that we've done. In fact, i got to go back, and, and you may be onto something, because one, one bowl is round, which is the one issue that we've got. The other bathroom, it is oblong. So they were two, same manufacturer, but two different bowls. That would be the only thing that seems left because you've done everything else. I was just wondering if there was some product on the market other than Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a lot of products that clean this, but it's not going to stop it from coming back. I mean, the, the go-to product for me is CLR. Have you used that yet? No, I have not. So that's that's an old standby. Take take a look at CLR. Calcium, it stands for calcium, lime, and rust. It basically is the, one of the best toilet bowl cleaners out there inexpensive and and give that a shot but if it continues to develop that issue i might consider replacing the toilet if it's really bothersome either that or get one of those uh get one of those tidy bowl men with the blue dye so you just don't notice it yeah there you go <laughs> thank you very much all right sparky thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit andrew in maine wrote in and he's thinking about switching to an induction range he says i have a gas cooktop with a downdraft and i'm considering changing to induction my understanding is that it would be faster, more efficient, and easier to keep clean. What considerations should I know about when making the switch? I've heard that induction cooktops have reliability issues. How much of a concern is this in your experience? You know, I, I don't really know, honestly, about the reliability issues. What I will say, um, we have an induction cooktop at Good Morning America that we use for cooking segments. My friend moved into a home that has an induction cooktop. Their experiences and mine in the studio are fantastic with them. They heat quickly. They heat evenly. The best part about it is once you remove the pot, they cool almost instantly. So cleaning is a breeze with the right products. And it's all smooth surface glass. So you just clean right up. There's nothing to take a grill away or a grate or anything to do extra cleaning. The trick here, though, Andrew, is that induction cooktops only work with certain types of cookware. It has to be able to hold a magnet. So like if you take your pot or pan and you can stick a magnet to the bottom of it, you know it's going to work on the induction cooktop because that's how they heat up. If you have cookware that's not magnetic in that way or specifically made for induction cooktops, they're really not going to do the trick. They're not going to get hot. It's not going to work. I remember when my friend first moved into her home, she's like, 
I don't understand. It's taking forever to cook the pasta for the kids when it used to take two minutes at home. And I'm like, um, your pot's not right for your stovetop type. And once she switched it, I mean, water boils instantly. So you might not be considering the cost of this cookware and cookware can be pricey and you're going to need all new. So definitely keep that in mind. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, just you know, first of all, purchasing the appliance, they're not inexpensive. You have to run a 240 volt electrical circuit to it. And you have to remove the gas lines and everything that's there now. So it's a pretty big improvement. you got to be really into induction cooking if you're going to take all of these steps. All right. Now we have Brian who has a question about reinforcing a bathroom floor. He says he's remodeling a bathroom in a 1955 house and the subfloor is rotten where the tub was. And one joist has termite damage. I've dealt with the termites, but I'm wondered, how do I repair these joists? Good question. So this is probably a good application for what's called sistering. So sistering is when you have a bad floor joist. It could be rotted or it could have been... When you cozy up to your best friend, your sister. (laughs) Exactly. And bolt on for dear life. So you put another joist, a brand new one, right next to the damaged one. Now, it's important that you have this new one be from bearing point to bearing point. So what I mean by that is if if it goes across the whole say basement or maybe halfway across the basement because there's a beam there, the the sister has to be that long. It can't just be like patch. It has to be the full size so that it actually will carry the load. And then all you do is you connect them together. You glue them together first with construction adhesive, and then I use carriage bolts and bolt them together, and it becomes like a substitute joist for the one that's rotted. Then you can go rebuild normally on top of that. So it's a really good way to, to reinforce a floor that's had that kind of damage. All right. Good luck with that project. I hope this new bathroom comes out wonderfully. And, you know, maybe you're getting two sinks so everybody has a chance to brush and wash at the same time. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Hey, guys, thanks so much for spending a part of your day with us. If you've got questions about projects you'd like to get done, remember, you can reach us 24-7 by dialing 1-888-MONEYPIT. Or for the quickest response, just go to moneypit.com slash ask. Click the blue microphone button. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money Pit.